This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Elizabeth Varga has a very special relationship to faith and food. In college, she was the one who had all the unique snacks, and now she shares her plant-based recipes and the intersection of faith and food on her blog, At Elizabeth's Table. I'll warn you now, you may feel real hungry by the time we get to the end of this conversation. In this episode, Elizabeth and I talk about her desire to share the good news with people she meets, her journey on becoming a plant-based Catholic, and how our food plays into the relationships we have with God and others. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast. For those who may not know you, would you be able to introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so my name is Elizabeth. I am the owner, creator, whatever you want to call it, of the blog called The Plant-Based Catholic. Um, So on The Plant-Based Catholic, I talk about the intersection of food and faith how what we're eating and what how we're eating and what we think about food um, is intertwined with our faith. I also love to cook, so I share a lot of healthy recipes, specifically plant-based recipes. That's kind of my thing. I um, plant-based Catholic. It's great. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and we're recording just after dinner time, so. I anticipate that I might get a little hungry during this episode, (laughs) but it's such a joy to be with you. And I'm so excited to dive into the plant-based Catholic and of course, your own story and feminine genius. And maybe we'll start there. I would love it if you could share with listeners how it is that you've come to be the woman that you are and how you've come to know Jesus in the way that you do now. So I have been Catholic my entire life and throughout kind of growing up, um, you know, my parents, we went to church on Sundays, kind of did like the basic Catholic stuff, um, you know, went to Sunday school, all of that. And it wasn't until probably sophomore year, junior year of high school that I started really kind of starting to think about my faith, um, realizing that it was important to me, you know, some relationships, friendships that I had in high school. I had, you know, friends who were Catholic or Christian, and I had some friends who weren't. And realizing that there were differences in those relationships. Mm -hmm. And so when I went off to college, um, I knew that my faith was important to me, but I still was kind of just like lukewarm Catholic. But, you know, I was in it enough that the first week of college, I went to the student mass at, uh, I went to Indiana University, I went to the student mass and I signed up for a Bible study and was like, yeah, this is something I'm going to do in college. Mm-hmm. Started going to Bible study regularly and really encountered some upperclassmen who were actually living out their faith, who were praying daily. I was challenged to actually have a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. And so I started getting more, more involved um, during that year, uh, my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, of college, we got focus on our campus. So Fellowship of Catholic University students, that completely changed my life. I was 
paired with um, one of the missionaries for discipleship and was in her Bible study. And wow, her name was Brianna. She changed my life. That focus missionary kind of took me under her wing. I was a little bit young, but just, yeah, took me under her wing and really showed me what it was like to live a life that was not just had Jesus in it, but had Jesus at the center. She introduced me to, um, you may have heard of this, some of the listeners may have heard of this, but she introduced me to uh, 33 Days to Merciful Love by Father Michael Gately, and that book was incredible. I had some friends in college who weren't Catholic, and that book, learning how to receive God's mercy, wow, it was incredible to read that book, to learn about receiving God's mercy, and then to realize to have this immense compassion for the people in my life who didn't know the Lord. Yeah, my faith was changed after that. I read that book my junior year of college, and my faith was completely changed after that. It's never been the same. And yeah, I mean, here I am. I'm a couple years out of college, and yeah, it's just been been a great journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am a huge fan of uh, Father Michael Gately and mm-hmm. yeah, 33 Days to Merciful Love, 33 Days to Morning Glory, so the different mm-hmm. consecrations. And yeah. Yeah, he's such a wonderful writer and just the way in which he yeah, really approaches those topics, but particularly with Merciful Love. Do you remember what it was about when you first encountered it and you were reading through that book that really captivated you? And you're like, wow, like, there's something here that is really moving my heart. Yeah. So he talks about, I think it's day 17 of the 33. He talks about the catch and the Mm -hmm. catch of receiving of of this consecration and receiving God's mercy is that you do start to feel this intense compassion for people who have actively rejected God's mercy. Mm -hmm. And I, at that time, when I was first doing this, had several friends, one in particular who was very atheist, who I had had multiple, multiple conversations with about just the existence of God. Um, his, his heart was very closed to anything to do with God. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember reading that day, day 17, reading about the catch and, and thinking about it, kind of dismissing it like, oh, the catch, whatever, like, <laughs> you know, that's just something that it, it, it really doesn't mean all that much. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of days later, having this moment of like, I, I, I was talking to this particular friend and he had told me that like, he didn't want me to continue talking to him about God. Mm. And I just like, it broke me. Like I yeah. cried, I bawled my eyes out that night. Mm. And that was the first time that I realized that I was hurting. I was aching. My body was aching for someone mm. because they didn't know the Lord. Like what beautiful love that is. And that's the love that Jesus has for us. Mm -hmm. He wants us to know him and he aches for the people that don't know him. And it was just the catch. It was so crazy how, how I felt that. And I felt that little bit of like, wow, this is how Jesus feels. Oh, yeah. yeah, gives me goosebumps just talking about it. <laughs> me too. Yeah, it, and it's so powerful. I can you see it, and and again, like I, I always wish that I uh, was talented enough to provide video podcasts because I think <laughs> that there's really something to be said about when our hearts are so moved outside of ourselves, if that makes sense. Like, you know, it's one thing for us to kind of ache for our own loss or our own individual pain. But I think that there's something really beautiful and also a true mark of the feminine genius is 
for our hearts to be receptive to other people, to really make space for the other. And just the fact that because of some of the choices or, or what your friend said to you about how he didn't want you to talk to him about God anymore, how that broke your heart. And, and like mm-hmm. you said, how that mirrors that of God the Father and, of course, Jesus himself, you know, the many times in a day that he is rejected and just how, we, you know, we take yeah. that on. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And, and I'm really appreciative of you opening up about that and sharing that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a really powerful, powerful moment in my life that has really transformed the way I, I think about my faith and faith in general. Mm-hmm. In pivoting from one aspect of faith, this whole dimension of being able to open up and really experience that love that in many ways Jesus does feel for each of us, pivoting from that and talking about something that you let off with, which is mm-hmm. food and that intersection of faith and food, like you said. Yeah. I was curious to know if you had always been vegetarian or plant-based or maybe like what that particular journey was like, because, you know, full disclosure, like I, I myself am an omnivore. I, this is going to sound weird. I eat literally everything, Um, (laughs) but uh, I know that that's not always the case for some folks. So yeah, I'd love to hear your story behind that and how you arrived at being like vegetarian or plant-based. Yeah. So it, it does kind of all tie together in terms of my journey to being plant-based and also Mm-hmm. to um, creating the plant-based Catholic. So I'll mm-hmm. kind of tell that entire story. Yes. Um, so, I mean, growing up, I was not vegetarian at all. Um, mm-hmm. My parents cooked a lot. Like we rarely went out to eat. Mm-hmm. Very, very rarely. Like it was a special treat to go out to eat just because my parents loved to cook and they cooked often. They cooked healthy food. We, you know, we were always eating vegetables and mm-hmm. whatever, but it wasn't vegetarian. I started thinking more about food. My senior year of high school, Mm. I was on vacation with my family over winter break. And I remember looking, we were out at a restaurant and I was looking down at the food that I was eating. Mm. And for some reason, I had this thought in my head that I shouldn't be eating that because it was going to make me fat hmm. and that I, I should stop eating because I needed to lose weight. I don't know where that came from to this day. I think back to that, that moment. And I don't know why I thought that mm-hmm. um, I was a very healthy, slim, <laughs> you know, 17 year old. Like I, I was had no, nobody had ever told me that I needed to lose weight or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But after that day, you know, we came back from vacation and I started counting calories, and really, really paying attention to what I was eating. I was a dancer in high school. I, uh, since I was four, I, I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had dance, but, you know, I was about to graduate from high school and go off to college. And I was thinking about how do I stay healthy and stay fit after, you know, I'm not dancing anymore. So I started I started running. So I had dance a couple of days a week, probably eight hours a week I was dancing. And then I started running and then I was counting calories and kind of got into the cycle of like, I just need to be skinnier. Mm-hmm. I just need to be skinnier. It's crazy because I don't know where that came from. Like no one was telling me that I needed to be skinnier. I don't even remember looking at like models or, you know, yeah. even pe- other people on social media, just something inside me. I was like, I just need to be skinnier. Mm. So 
kind of continued that, that cycle of really counting and restricting calories and exercising a lot. And that continued into college. Freshman year of college was a pretty difficult year for me. I had struggled being away from home and just, it was, it was a really hard time, but I, you know, was counting these calories and I was exercising and I was just like doing all these things to be fit. But then I had, had all this stress. And so I started having stomach issues. Like my stomach would hurt all the time. And I think part of it was stress. Part of it, I, I don't know if I developed like food sensitivities, but I noticed like in the morning I would eat breakfast and I would have like Greek yogurt and overnight oats or, you know, foods like that. And I would get extremely bloated mm-hmm. in the morning. And it was just like, oh, this is terrible. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm doing all these things. I'm eating things that are healthy and like, I'm not even eating all that much, but I still feel mm-hmm. terrible. And right. throughout that year, I kind of kept into this cycle of exercising and not really eating all that much, but still feeling worse every single day. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the year, I was proud of myself because like I didn't gain the freshman 15. It's the end mm-hmm. of the end of freshman year. And I, you know, I'm still, I, I didn't get any weight, um, but I didn't feel very good. And so I decided that I would cut out dairy because I noticed like I would eat dairy products and I just didn't feel very good after eating them. Mm -hmm. So I cut out dairy probably right after my freshman year of college ended. Mm -hmm. And then sophomore year, I moved into an apartment where I could cook for myself. And that was great because then I had full control, didn't have to rely on the dining halls to eat whatever healthy foods I was trying to eat. So... (laughs) I started cooking. I would pretty much just cook broiled chicken breast. So like super plain chicken breast and like some vegetables. And I pretty much just ate that because those are the things that made me feel good, made me feel in control of the food that I was eating. Mm -hmm. And I was still kind of counting calories, still restricting calories a decent amount and exercising a lot. And I actually started getting into weightlifting my sophomore year. Hmm. Um, and that kind of started moving things. I was doing a lot more research of like, okay, I'm lifting these weights. How do I get stronger? The focus shifted a little bit from how do I get skinnier to how do I get stronger? And I started doing some research. Okay. What are the best foods to eat, to be stronger? What should I be doing along with what exercises should I be doing? How do I recover? How do I feel my body? And I credit this particular book that I read. It is called How Not to Die um, by Dr. Michael Greger. Uh-huh. Um, and this book, uh, How Not to Die, goes through the top 15 causes of death in the United States. And in fact, all 15 causes of death are related to food. To oh my what gosh. We and it's crazy. I mean, oh. let me tell you, this book is like thick. <laughs> it's a big, <laughs> thick book because it's full of these study, scientific studies and citations and all, all of this information, I tore through that book mm. because I just wanted to know, like, how can I just be healthier? How can I be the best, healthiest version? Mm-hmm. And I think still a little bit fueled, actually, if I'm being honest, a lot fueled by that kind of disordered eating that I had. If I want to be skinnier, like I want to be stronger, but it's because I want to be skinnier. Mm-hmm. And I'm, re- I'm reading this book and I'm realizing that a lot of the foods that I 
think are probably healthy are maybe not so healthy. Like I already kind of knew like, you know, sugar is probably not the best thing for you. Um, that sort of thing, like limit processed foods, but things like meat and dairy and eggs and fish, they're contributing to the top 15 causes of death in the United States too. It's not just highly processed foods or high, you know, sugar foods, but I I'm reading this and realizing like, maybe I should be changing some of the things that I'm eating. And so I kind of slowly started cutting out. Um, I wasn't eating a lot of red meat to begin with just because I didn't want to cook it, but I, I uh, cut out the chicken that I was eating. And then mm-hmm. I stopped eating eggs. I already wasn't eating dairy. I stopped eating my eggs in the morning, realized that I felt so much better after not eating eggs in the morning, which is crazy. And then kind of just like over the course of the year became plant-based and then realized that, yeah, I wanted to be skinny, but this health aspect had kind of taken a bit of a forefront into Mm -hmm. my focus on food and that's where I started to see the connections between diet and faith Mm -hmm. because God doesn't want us to hate ourselves. He doesn't want us to think that, you know, I'm not good enough because I'm not skinny enough, or I'm not pretty because I'm not skinny or I'm not pretty because I'm fat or any, like anything. He wants us to honor God with our bodies. He wants us to honor him with our bodies, to love our bodies, to appreciate that we were given this beautiful, like vessel for lack of a word to live on this earth and to go about and love people and do whatever he put us on this earth to do. Like Mm -hmm. he wants us to take care of ourselves and maybe eating healthy, maybe eating foods that I know are going to nourish my body Mm -hmm. is the best way to do that. Because if I can choose to eat foods that are good for me, that can fuel me to go do the work that he wants me to do. That's the goal. The goal isn't necessarily to look beautiful or to be a model or whatever. And like, if you do look beautiful or you are a model, like that's great too. But like that, that's not the goal. Like we weren't put on the earth to just look pretty or be skinny or whatever. (laughs) Like that's not the point the points to do God's will. And how, how can we better do that? Like if I'm sick, if I don't feel good every day, if I'm spending all this time hating myself, or if I am eating a lot of terrible foods that, you know, are making me sick, I'm not going to be able to fully do his will. I'm not going to be able to function like, you know, maybe to an extreme degree. And then I can't, I can't do what I'm put on this earth to do. So I'm I'm kind of putting this all together the end of my sophomore year, like this food and the healthiest ways to eat after reading this book. And the plant-based Catholic was kind of born out of that. Like I was having these realizations about eating plant-based and, and also how it fits with our faith. Mm -hmm. So that's how the plant-based Catholic started. That's how I became plant-based. It all just kind of bloomed one day. Right. And I love the intersection that you draw upon because, you know, when you were talking about that memory that you had of being on vacation and just kind of like looking down at your food and and just having that, that thought. And like you said, you know, you have no idea where it came from, but I know that I myself have thought about that on a number of occasions, like regardless of age. And I would wager a guess that 
many mm-hmm. listeners probably maybe at some point, whether consciously or not, have maybe thought that. And certainly for us as women, there always seems to be a lot of talk about how we look mm-hmm. and and just like the societal expectations of beauty. And I really struggled with really loving my body and, you know, how that relates to what I eat and, and yeah. what I take in. And certainly like not feeling great all of the time, whether because of food that I ate or just because like I, I just felt unsatisfied with how I looked. And I think what you're pointing to is something that is so important. And I think like you mentioned to me before, and, and I'd love to talk more about this, is just the fact that we don't talk about that very much, or at least it's something that doesn't come up a lot. And I remember when you said that to me, I was just like, you know, Elizabeth's absolutely right. Like I don't really talk to people about that intersection between faith and food and more pointedly how it is that we can really nourish our bodies like in that way where we can not only be stronger but also as you were mentioning be a a strong vessel that really honors the lord but also is able to serve him yeah i mean i think that one of the reasons that we we don't talk about this a lot is because we have the things that society gives to us. Like we see all these actors and models and whoever that look a certain way. And we're kind of given that societal expectation to be, well, there's not even, I mean, right now there's a beauty standard, but that might change in 20 years. Right Right. now it's, you know, maybe to have that hourglass figure or to be slim or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we're we're hearing all these messages from society, but I, I don't think we often think about how God created us to be in I think back to Genesis, to the creation story Mm -hmm. and how when God first created Adam and Eve, they were naked. Like they did not have any shame about their bodies. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the fall that they felt the need to cover themselves up. And we still have that today. We have this need to cover ourselves up and not just, you know, with clothing, but just the general like shame of, of my, my body. Like my body is something that could be exposed in a way that maybe I don't want it to. We don't really talk about that a whole lot. I think it's hard, especially as Catholics with there's messaging about, you know, how we should dress like Mm -hmm. modesty. And of course that's important, but what if I just like, don't feel good in my body? Like, I I don't know what, how do, how do I deal with that? Mm -hmm. How do I shift my perspective to realize that like, my body is something that should be, should be loved and cared for. But at the same time, realizing that if I am unhealthy or maybe I don't feel the best in my body, it's not a bad thing to want to lose five pounds or 10 pounds or a hundred pounds. It's not a bad thing to want to be stronger. It's not a bad thing to want to work out or to want to eat healthy. Um, I think we have this like, oh, just love yourself, just like accept who you are. And that's beautiful. Like you should love yourself. You should love your God-given body, but you should also desire for that body to be how God desires it to be. Hmm. I mean, that can come in many different forms. So I, I really circle back to the line in first, first Corinthians, therefore honor God with your body. Like, what does that look like? It looks like treating our bodies in a way that I don't know, is just thankful, is grateful for the fact that we even have a body. And Mm -hmm. how would you treat a gift that God gave you? Mm -hmm. Like if God gave you like, I I don't know, like a physical object, 
and he walked over and handed it to you, you would be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like cherish this thing. Yeah. Why don't we do that with our bodies? Because that is, our bodies are that God-given gift. Mm -hmm. So well said. And, And I think you raise an absolutely incredibly important point. The fact that this is one of the best gifts that we've ever gotten, like first off, life life and salvation. Mm -hmm. But then of course, like that opportunity to walk about and to serve and to simply be. And -hmm. absolutely, there is such a diversity of body types and the ways in which that we look. But I love what you said there about how, you know, we really should desire to have the body the way that God desires for us to be. So I'm so appreciative of that, because I think as we're kind of just mentioning, like, it's something that I don't talk about a lot with folks. And maybe just because sometimes I'm dissatisfied or or unsatisfied, Mm -hmm. dissatisfied. (laughs) In any case, like I'm not happy all the time with like where I am. And I think what you've you've shared there and also like the passion that is coming through, it's a good reminder for me to not necessarily settle because of course, like God doesn't want us to settle for mediocrity, but really to strive for just allowing for ourselves to be the healthiest that we can be because ultimately that's what God desires for us. Like he wants us to live our lives abundantly and he wants us to mm-hmm. be healthy so that we can serve him. Yeah. It's classic Catholic both and type thing. Like you Amen. can love yourself the way that you are, but you can also desire to be, you know, the healthiest version of yourself. Right. No, that's an excellent encapsulation. And what's kind of clicking in my head is like you said, you mentioned that your your parents had cooked for you they cook for themselves and your family. And I'm assuming that that's probably like where you yourself drew that inspiration and that love for cooking as well. And, you know, you kind of mentioned the origins of the plant-based Catholic, but at what point did you realize that this was something that, you know, was kind of like the secret that you didn't want to be a secret anymore? Like you wanted to share your knowledge and again, like that intersection between faith and food with other people. Yeah. So kind of two different things played into this. So the Mm -hmm. first was as I was kind of on my transition to eating more plant-based myself, um, like I mentioned, I was in college. So I was in a lot of group projects and different things with other students. And I was always, you know, eating something weird, like a better (laughs) term, you know, just something that's maybe a little bit healthier that probably isn't in the average college student's Mm -hmm. diet. Um, And so I, I had a couple of people on a group project like on a team that you know we were working together a lot and I was always eating something different and they would just be like what are you eating (laughs) why why are you eating that like tell me more about that like how did you make that like there's no sugar in that what the heck (laughs) um and kind of was getting all these questions from people about well what are you eating and I'm like Mm -hmm. hmm maybe it would be useful if I kind of wrote some of this down and 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 shared it out Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of the food part of it and sharing the recipes. But I think the other thing is that the plant-based Catholic, it's very specific. I believe that Catholics should maybe not necessarily be a hundred percent plant-based, but should strongly consider being, I don't know, maybe 75% plant-based. Frankly, I I know that there are not that many other people talking about this. And I, I realized that I'm seeing a lot of arguments, you know, rooted in the teachings of the church that point to why we might want to, or why we should eat more plant-based as Catholics. I think we talked a little bit about 
kind of like the personal aspect, like maybe plant-based diet is healthier. And, and that's very good for each individual, of course. But I think there are a couple more factors that come into play that as mm-hmm. Catholics, we should really be considerate of. Mm-hmm. So we were made for four relationships. We were made for relationship with God, relationship with ourselves, relationships with other people and relationship with creation. And we need to, as Catholics, honor and respect those relationships and take care of them like we would any friendship or any relationship. And so I think we talked a little bit about, yeah, honor God with your body. I think that covers a little bit of the relationship with God and even the relationship with ourselves, like keeping ourselves healthy and, you know, maybe whatever that looks like for you, whether that's exercising or Mm -hmm. however you eat or your mental health or whatever. But these two other relationships, relationships with other people and relationships with creation, I think we don't often consider those or we know about them, but we don't think about how we can actually affect them, especially when it comes to food. So classic arguments for vegans or people who are plant-based of why you should be plant-based, there's three of them. There's health, it's better for the environment, and it's better for animals or less, less cruel to animals. Mm-hmm. And so these, it's, it's interesting. There's these three, you know, arguments for being plant-based and these four relationships, and they all just mix together. And it's, right. it's really beautiful. Um, so I, I'd love if, you, if you're okay with this to kind of go through yeah. those second two relationships, the relationships with other people and the relationship with creation. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, um, so relationships with other people, It's interesting. Um, We know that when Jesus was on the earth, his, his whole message was, you know, love, love other people. How do we do that through food? So just so much goodness. Um, (laughs) So I think something that's important to consider is like feeding other people. Like we know that there are a lot of people right in the world, maybe not in the United States or in Canada, but in other poor countries who, who don't have food to put on their tables, who are, who are starving. Mm -hmm. And we actually, as a society grow enough plants, enough food to feed around 10 billion people. And that's interesting because there are only 7 billion people on the planet, right? So where, what's happening? Where's the, Mm -hmm. where's the disconnect? A lot of the food that we're growing is going towards animals. Mm -hmm. We're feeding animals and then the number of calories that we have to put in to say one cow is not a one-to-one. Like if I put 10 calories into feeding a cow, I'm not getting 10 calories out when I eat the cow. I'm not up on all the numbers. So this is just an example, but say I put 10 calories in, I'm maybe getting six calories out of this cow. And so we're kind of putting these plants into our animal agriculture system and then getting out less. Hmm. And what if we took some of that food, some of those plants that we're feeding these animals and instead feed them to our brothers and sisters who are Hmm. hungry. Hmm. Again, I'm not saying that every Catholic has to like turn around and go vegan tomorrow, right? Like that's Hmm. not um, realistic for a lot of people. And that's not what a lot of people necessarily want to do, but I think it's worth considering like, where is the food that we're growing? Where is it going? How are we, you know, feeding 
the people? How are we doing what Jesus called us to do to mm-hmm. feed the poor, feed the hungry rather? <laughs> so, so that's a kind of an interesting dynamic. I think also from an environmental perspective, kind of that second prong of, you know, why people might want to go plant-based is, and again, this is a hot topic in in the world right now, um, but something that, you know, we as Catholics should consider, like we are in charge of this earth. What, you know, all the different things that we do to contribute to the preservation and or destruction of the earth. So what what sort of things can we do on an individual level maybe to preserve the earth for our children or to even just preserve the earth for ourselves that going into that fourth kind of level of relationship, the relationship with creation there, it's kind of mm-hmm. um, tied together. So how are, how are we affecting the earth for our neighbors and how are we affecting the earth just in general? I mean, there's there's a lot of research about you know, how a plant-based diet, how, how eating more plants Mm -hmm. versus sending those plants to animals and then animal agriculture and cows producing a lot of methane and greenhouse gases and all of that. Like if we are able to decrease some of that, decrease some of the um, environmental destruction that happens through eating meat or just anything in the animal agriculture industry, Mm -hmm. we could directly affect whether or not our kids or our grandkids or our great grandkids are able to live on an earth that's habitable or Mm. even us right now, like what effects of climate change are we feeling right now? How are we being stewards of the earth? The way I see it, it it, it all just ties together. And Mm. like I said, I, I, this can be a pretty polarizing topic. I can see a lot of people being like, oh my gosh, this girl is crazy. Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> I'm not, again, I'm not saying that everyone needs to go vegan or, you know, start eating plant-based overnight. But I think mm-hmm. when you kind of dive into this, I think as Catholics, especially need to be a little bit more aware of how food specifically is affecting these relationships, these you know, those, those four relationships, relationship with God, relationship with ourselves, relationships with other people and with creation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I I think back to what you mentioned earlier about, you know, yeah, in true Catholic fashion being like a both and. So, you know, as you mentioned, there probably may be a lot of people and myself included, like when I think about my own diet, I'm just like, wow, like how would I be able to give up yeah, meat or dairy or fish mm-hmm. or those kinds of things? So certainly it's, I imagine that it's not a, an instant like overnight yeah. process. It does take time and certainly yeah. it takes planning and, and being able to put the time into really like considering that. But I think Elizabeth, you give us a lot to think about. You give me a lot to think about and consider because when I jumped into this conversation with you, I had no idea that we were going to go this route. <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right in a sense that we do have we've been given a real opportunity here like with our lives and and just how it is that we glorify god and and as you mentioned those four different but interrelated relationships mm-hmm. just the ways in which we relate to our environment um yeah. how we are meant to be stewards of this earth good stewards of this earth and mm-hmm. then of course like how we relate to one another ourselves and ultimately to god the father so I'm I'm so appreciative of that. And I think, you know, since we mentioned that it's not going to be an overnight change, if you could 
provide maybe like a word of encouragement or maybe something, a place for folks to start? Like if they want to consider going plant-based, but maybe they feel a little bit intimidated about how much planning it might take, or they might even have some misconceptions of their own, like where is a place that you would encourage them to start? Yeah. So these are a couple of things that I'm currently working on trying to address comprehensively, I guess. Um, I mean, shameless plug for, for my my blog, The Plant-Based Catholic. <laughs> if, if you're looking for a recipe, you're like, oh my gosh, I do not know how to make a dinner that doesn't have meat in it. Like I have plenty of recipes that are like mm-hmm. no meat dinners, whether it's just like a simple pasta recipe or, you know, something more decadent or man, I don't know how to bake brownies that don't have milk and eggs in it. Like I got you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I'm also um, spending some time kind of working to put together some, some resources that are a little bit more comprehensive, you know, maybe a, um, working on putting together kind of like a, a week, long meal plans. So you're like, okay, I figured out one week and, and can, you know, go buy the groceries and everything that I need for that. So that's, that's coming soon. So stay tuned for that. It might even be out by the time this podcast goes live, which would be awesome. But I think like you mentioned, like it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight for me. And this is what I'm spending my life trying to trying trying to proclaim I, it it definitely did not happen overnight i think just knowing that even small changes can make a big difference maybe it's just you know doing meatless monday or, or whatever it is like can you have one day where you where you don't eat meat or maybe it's not even that extreme to start out maybe it's just taking the time to pause before you eat the next time and just like be aware of the food that you're eating and just like just think about it where did it come from? How did it get from where it started to sitting in front of me? And what, what does that mean? I think just starting to ask the questions is, mm. is a, a great place to start. It definitely does not have to happen overnight. And that would be awesome if it did, but it really doesn't have to. And it doesn't have to be this huge, overwhelming thing. Those, those small changes really do, do make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Meatless Mondays. And I think, you know, as Catholics, like we do have the tradition of, of going meatless on Friday anyway. Yeah. I mean, particularly yeah. doing Lent, but I know there are some folks that practice that all year round. So I think for many of us, like we're off to a good start. And I appreciate yeah. that comment too about just taking the time to pause because, you know, how many times do we just kind of dig in or we let the camera eat first yeah. and then we dig in, right? Yeah. You know, Elizabeth, I'm so appreciative of just the diversity of topics we were able to cover today, but also the intentionality that you're bringing to food and that connection to faith and how you're really challenging me and, and of course, so many others to really pause and consider. So I'm so thankful for that. And maybe just as we think about how this ties into, you know, you as a woman and your own feminine genius, I'd love if you could offer a reflection of how you've seen your feminine genius flourish through everything else that you've uh, worked on up until this point. Yeah, I was thinking about kind of after I kind of got my my blog off of its feet and I was, I you know, I put out two new recipes a week. And so I'm always in the kitchen cooking something or other. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially kind of my last year of college had a friend group that I hung out with regularly. And I just always had food for them. Like that, that was my thing. Like I was always just like cooking for them, you know, whether we were just like hanging out at someone's house or having full on dinners, Mm -hmm. dinner parties, which we did do um, maybe because I'm crazy, but you know, that's another topic. 
I think we talked a lot today about food being very functional, like it makes you healthier or it helps the environment or it, you know, helps feed other people or whatever. Yes, it is all of those things, but it's also, food is also relational. Like Mm -hmm. we sit and gather around the dinner table. Jesus presents himself to us in the Eucharist, like literal bread Mm -hmm. and wine turned into body and blood that we eat. Like we consume, like food is so important to every aspect of our lives, especially as Catholics. And so when I, when I reflect on, you know, my own feminine genius, and I really love how food is able to transform in so many ways, how food is able to bring people together, how I'm able to cook for people, how I'm able to, you know, make someone a plate of cookies or bring someone a cupcake or whatever it is and create relationship through that. And frankly, create relationship with food that's healthy and good for you. I I think one of the things that I love about some of the the cooking that I do being plant-based is knowing that like, yeah, I might be handing you a brownie and it's bringing us together in relationship, but it's like, it's not harming you. I'm I'm giving you this food that's healthy, that's good (laughs) for you, that is going to help, you know, fuel your body and bring us together. It's just, man, it's another one of those both ands (laughs) that just always seem to pop up, but yeah. But yeah, I would say a large part of of what I think my feminine genius is just those relationships around food and, and bringing people together and loving loving people through food, loving myself through food. Wow. That is so beautiful. Yeah. And just how intimate meals are, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. think about the time of Jesus, like how he literally shared his last supper with his disciples uh, mm-hmm. before his passion. And to your point about the Eucharist being that feast, that meal, and it's a very unique way to think about the Mass and and the Eucharist in that way, but you're absolutely right. And what a powerful way to relate to one another really is one of the most beautiful and, and intimate things that we can do as friends, as people here on this earth. So... Elizabeth, thank you so much. As I uh, suspected, I am now hungry. So <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm so grateful for this conversation today. So thank you for, for all the work that you're doing and for really challenging all of us to think more critically about you know our food and that intersection of faith, but then ultimately like the relationships that we have with one another. So I was wondering if just as we end off this episode, if you could lead us in a closing prayer. Yeah, I could definitely do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the gift of our bodies. We are so grateful that you have given us this beautiful gift. Because we are beautiful. We're beautiful in your eyes. We just ask you this day to help us to honor you with our bodies. Help us to become the best versions of ourselves that we can to do your work. We ask that today, if we are struggling with our body image or how we think about ourselves, that we just release those to you. We release those fears, those negative thoughts to you. We give them to you. We present them to you at the foot of your cross. Lord Jesus, help us to love one another through food. Help us to relate to one another, to serve our brothers and sisters through food, whether that be 
through the things that we're eating or through the people that we eat with. We just ask that everything, every time that we eat, every encounter that we have with food, that we are able to glorify you through those moments. And Jesus, above all, we thank you for the gift of yourself, that you come to us, your body and blood, that you allow us to consume you. And we thank you for that ultimate gift of your sacrifice for us. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you to Elizabeth Varga for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. As we noted at the top, her blog is now called At Elizabeth's Table, and you can read more of her writing on what we discussed and find a ton of incredible recipes on her website at elizabethstable.com. You can also find her on Instagram at elizabeth's underscore table. I've left these in the episode description. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Instagram and Facebook. We are at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and many other places. All of this can be found on our home on the web, FemineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless you always. Always.